Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Let's hear God's Word for this uh, little succession of readings from 2 Corinthians. We're in the, uh, all the readings set down in the three-year cycle of readings comes from the second half of um, 2 Corinthians. So we haven't really covered the whole book, but anyway, we've done what we can. So we're in chapter 6 already. So I don't know whether you've got a Bible handy, but the words are around as well. Uh, 6 verse 1 to 13. So, Paul says to these troubled um, people, well, a troubled relationship with a whole bunch of people in Corinth, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, God says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, Now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word of encouragement, challenge, calling. Speak to us now by the power of the Holy Spirit, always active and present when your word is proclaimed, whether it's in person or whether it's on a screen from afar. You speak. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm 2 Corinthians, of course. Uh, when new things happen to you, don't you think that you've got to adjust? When new things happen to you, new ways of living with the new things that's happened to you has to be adjusted to, thought about, acted upon. New things require adjustment, new ways of living the same life that you did before the new thing happened. I remember our first child came. When our first child came along 
And we had the view that this little bundle of joy was not going to change our adult young lifestyle in the slightest way. No, our baby would fit in with our plans and our schedule and our way of going about things. So we will still go camping and we'll go out and we'll have lots of friends over and stay up late. I wonder how long it lasted. Not very long. Because we realised, as you do, this little bundle of joy required us to adjust, to see things differently for the new calling to be parents. So we approach life with new eyes, if you like. You know, and it doesn't stop. The same when your kids grow up, so we're finding. They become adults. They're very smart. They're very capable. They're very independent. They can do all kinds of stuff. And you can hold on tight to the way things are done on the farm or the business or in our house, or you can adjust to the new scene and let go of complete control and let the kids have a go and do things their way and maybe flourish as a result. Now look, they might do things differently, not the way you would do them, but they actually still get things done. And often, often surprisingly, in really good ways. So you kind of need new eyes when a new scene comes along and the scene and the situation kind of teaches you and shapes you for what's up ahead. I reckon in this part of this letter, Paul is doing exactly this. He's trying to encourage these Christians in Corinth who have gotten into a bit of self-orientated kind of, I don't know, focus and into a bit of a rut maybe. I don't know. They wouldn't call it that, but he does. He, he wants them to realise that something new has happened. Uh, whether they've forgotten about it or whatever, something new has happened. God's done something new. The new life that God promised for ages, hundreds and hundreds of years, it's come. And they need to adjust constantly. They need new eyes to live in the new thing. Here's what he says. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace, undeserved love, in vain, because he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of the salvation which I have achieved, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. In other words, maybe you've got God's favour now, friends. The promised close heart-to-heart relationship founded not on you and your heart and your abilities and your skills and your name and your profession and your job and all that stuff, but founded on God's undeserved acceptance and love, grace, it's here. It's here. The new way to live is not based on God's condemnation of you, or his, but on his undeserved kindness towards you. Life in this new situation, this new beginning, this new creation, is not founded on terror of God's wrath and judgment, although scary that is. It's based on sure hope of his blessing, of his favour and his acceptance 
in any terror. This new life is not self-orientated, self-powered, futile or meaningless. No, it's other-orientated, spirit-powered, purposeful and meaningful for the world. And yes, it still requires hard work, no doubt about that, but with joy, with joy. Those days of never being sure if your behaviour is good enough, I think Paul's saying, are gone. Because it's not. And the basis of our relationship with our Heavenly Father is not your behaviour. It's his. God has brought you with his very good behaviour in that man Jesus on the cross and from the empty tomb. So, I think he's saying, seize the day, boys, like Dead Poet Society. Make the most of it. Make the most of this new life, this new scene, this new gift. The gift of God's unearned, unachieved, all-encompassing love for you and each other and your town and your city and this world. Okay, but what is Paul saying that is actually new? What is he asking you and I and his people to adapt to, to live in, to see life with? What eyes? Quite a lot, really. Through the death of the man Jesus, Son of God, and then his rising from the grave and ascending to rule, a new kingdom, a new possibility, a new future, a new creation, a new way to be people has come into this old dying way, this trouble-filled life that we only know too well. Like a footy club in full rebuild and review, sweeping changes need to be made. Well, God's made some sweeping changes of this club called planet Earth. After the long years Hundreds of years of struggle and corruption and decay and death looming large like a pall over a coffin at a funeral. The world got to see something you had never seen before. The funeral pall lifted off and a dead man springing out to life from that death. What was that movie? I forget what it was called. Anyway, came to mind just then dead guy gets out of the coffin at the wake. Very scary. Anyway, this is what's happened in the world. Here's the news. Your death won't kill you. That's the Christian sure hope. I sat with a man today in a hospital who's at the end of life and I, you know, now and again you're privileged to hear faith like that. My death won't kill me, Pastor. I know that. Oh, Fantastic. With his whole family there, marvellous. So how do you adjust to the new thing, friend? Have you forgotten about it? Are you not convinced? Well, I'll tell you how you do it. There's only one way. Dying every day. That's how you adjust to the new thing. Dying every day to the old, broken, doubting, cynical, troubled stuff and rising to live in the new. That's the only way to live in the new, is to die to the old stuff 
and to rise every day to the new stuff. That's the only way. There's no other way. This is not a philosophy or a theory or an ideology or a moral you know, compass. Or a, It's death and resurrection every day. It always is. So that's how you do it. You die to control over everything and power over other people and everything and ego and self-centred and you live to other-centred God's grace at work in you. You live to forgive. And that's a sure hope. And that's where Paul, I think, that's where Paul and these, these Christians in Corinth, that's where he wants them to go. And that's where he wants you and I to go. And that's where we come in as God's people. This new kingdom will have a new king. It has a new king. It has a new uh, influence in the world, a new space in the world, a new word, a new message. And it's got people to bring the message to the world. He calls them in this text, in this letter, ambassadors. Ambassadors. Ambassadors of one thing, one main thing, lots of things, but one main thing ambassadors of reconciliation. That's where he goes with this. He's reconciling the world to himself. We are compelled by Christ who has reconciled, made peace with the whole world and we're the ambassadors, we're the speakers, we're the reconcilers. God is not inviting you to a lovely, nice religious experience, even though it actually quite is with him. And he's not even inviting you to learn a few wise things so you can be wise, even though he makes you wise. And he's definitely not inviting you to be squeaky clean, moral, character, perfect person, as if you could anyway. No. Jesus is calling us and empowering us to die and rise daily so we bring a message of reconciliation, peace, shalom to this world. Anyone and everyone. So it's now possible, here's the message, it's now possible to be totally reconciled to God, your creator. Not by achieving or earning his favour, but by simply receiving all of his favour in the cross of Jesus Christ by his good pleasure. His good work, his movement, his initiative, his heart. Paul is no mere philosopher or moral teacher and he's definitely not a trickster. Some of the Corinthians think he is a bit. Neither are we, even though people think Christianity is a bit of a trick. It ain't. No, Paul is a reconciler. I'm going to say to you, you are a reconciler. And he gets very tender about this. Did you catch that last bit? As a fair exchange then, people, we've had our differences. I speak to you as I would my own children, my dearly loved little ones. You know, little ones is the Greek, I think. Open wide your heart also, like I have to you. So he, he's calling for that intimate, you know, trust kind of relationship. And then he launches into this stunning piece of work that's very uh, jarring on the ears, don't you think? Opposites put together to really make you think. 
Great endurance, troubles, hardship, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, that side, purity, understanding, patience, kindness, Holy Spirit, sincere love, truthful speech, power of God, with weapons of righteousness, reconciliation, peace, forgiveness, hope, Joy, love in both hands, not just one hand and a gun in the other. No, both hands full of these kinds of gifts. And this happens, and again, opposites, glory, dishonour. Bad report, good report. Beautiful. Genuine, but everybody thinks we're imposters. Known by people and yet regarded as strangers. Dying, literally sometimes, and yet we live on. Beaten, knocked down, but not killed. Sorrowful, yes, of course, but rejoicing. Poor, yes, but making many people richer than they could ever be with any money. Having nothing at all, and yet not needing it, because we possess everything that lasts. I guess when you read, I, I read that and I think, oh, that sounds like a pretty nasty way to be. The cost sounds like it's really expensive to me. I'm not sure I'm up for it. But this is what he says living in God's new creation with new eyes fixed on the Saviour and ears open to his word every day actually brings into the possibility of your life. And I suspect if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, you'll know that. But this is authentic Christianity. This is real life under the real cross, for God's real future, for real people. It cost God everything to begin this new creation and this reconciling work, and it will cost us. It just will. So as we live in this reconciliation way, we're still hopeful, full of hope, and we're confident, he says. I'm confident, he says, no matter the cost. You know, on the one hand, we Christians live no shallow, merely outwardly religious, falsely positive thinking kind of life. And neither do we live in this constant doom and gloom and everything's too hard and everything's always too frustrating. We live in the gospel when we're frustrated and when we're free. The gospel's different. It's other. It's neither of those two things. You know, at the moment when we are content, isn't it true that we're still searching? Like you too. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, even though I know Jesus. You're still on the search. As we experience the joy of God's favour and grace, we are aware of the suffering of the world and people around us. As we make our plans with good conscience, we're aware that tragedy can strike at any moment. That's just life. And so, like everybody else, we grieve and we celebrate and we question and we rest in Jesus and we work hard and yet we rest in him too. We take risks, we speak of him and yet we share the wonderful common appreciation for our Lord with each other too. Wonderful gift. And we gather together and we sense that great fellowship of belonging together and sometimes we feel really alone and isolated when we're not together and this is how it is. In all of it, and above all of it, says Paul, I think in this letter, our identity, our calling, our place, our main goal is to please him, of course, and to 
to uh, convince others of him as we reconcile people, as we are reconcilers. That's how we convince people, by our forgiveness. You'll know them by their love, self-sacrificing love. We have this special contribution to make to the world. No one else can do it. Reconciliation in the heart between God and people and between people and people. Genuine peace between people and God in conflict, in difficulty, in trouble. That is our special gift, our unique gift, our calling. Genuine forgiveness for wrongs done by us and to us. A lifestyle of forgiveness, maybe you could say. Truthful speaking, forgiveness giving. That is what it is, I think, friends, to live with new eyes in the new kingdom, in the new creation. It's a creation of reconciliation. We need eyes of reconciliation. We do not regard people as just mere worldly people anymore, as Paul has already said to us. We regard them as heavenly, as God's people, as spiritual people in need of the Spirit of God. That's our view. Our main role is to reconcile people under this new king who has already reconciled the world to himself and appointed us as his ambassadors to get the job done until the final great reconciliation of all things at the last. What will you take from this? What will you take from this? Will you adjust to the new creation you're reminded of again? Or maybe for the first time. Will you adjust? Will you ask for new eyes? Will you ask the Holy Spirit to give you new ears and new eyes for forgiveness, for reconciliation, even for that, even for that person? Jesus' new eyes of grace undeserve love. Jesus' new eyes of speaking the truth, which is never easy, for your family and your work and your friends and your enemies, and your future plans as a person. Now, of course, we can close our ears and eyes to this new scene. Very easy to do. Pretend nothing much has really happened in the world. God hasn't done much or enough. It's all about us anyway. We have to do it. We have to do it all. We have to do it all. We have to. We're the centre of life. Forgiveness is weakness anyway. That's for weak people to forgive. Or it's just impossible and I don't know how to do it. Or leave it to the professionals, the psychologists and you know, pastors and people like that. They're the ones that do the forgiving, not me. It's not my calling, you know. It's not my responsibility. I've got to tell you, have it. don't read 2 Corinthians then. Don't read it because you'll be uh, shattered. Those attitudes will be thrown out the window because there's no room for that. No, we are reconcilers. The Lord is constantly calling you to adjust to his grace and favour in your day, in your relationships all the time. You have him. You have everything you need from him. You have life in him, a future in him, a hope in him. You have forgiveness on tap by your simple word of asking for it. You have hope. So I guess I'd say with Paul, as we all would, make the most of it. The time of favour is now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. No, no, in your questions, in your doubts, in your troubles, when your trouble meter is up to 10. Actually, it's more difficult to call on God when it's only up to number one. 
it's, it's very easy to call on God when it's up to number nine or ten. So whatever it is for you, make the most of God's forgiveness and reconciliation. He has not withheld his affection from you, as Paul says he hasn't from these Corinthians. Maybe your dad did, maybe your mum did, maybe other people did. God doesn't and hasn't. Hear it. He's shown his affection for you in a way that you can grab hold of. You know what it's like. You know death. Been to a funeral, lost someone precious, you know death. You know what it feels like. That's what happened to him on the cross. You know it. You can grab hold of it. Make the most of it. Open wide your hearts also to this news. He'll show you how to adjust. He'll give you new eyes to see the possibilities. Please him with everything you've got. Persuade them with everything you've got. Live in this lifestyle of forgiveness, reconciliation. In the name of Christ, amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your wonderful gift of peace, shalom to the core, full well-being and peace in you uh, so that we're reconciled to you and we live in this new creation gift. Help us believe it, help us understand it, help us search for it, seek it, want it, hear your word about it, uh, talk to people about it, find you, renew us, transform us, reconcile us, particularly people who are listening who feel alienated from God, as if he couldn't possibly love them, or they've forgotten about God, as if he's locked up in some church building somewhere. He's not. He's on our case. So, Lord, convince people of this. Transform our community. Use us, yes, your reconcilers, to transform the people with whom we live and move and have our being in you. Bless your people everywhere. Bless those struggling in whatever way. Give us these gifts of faith and hope and love uh, for whatever the situation is. Help us trust your calling no matter the circumstances, as Paul did as he wrote to these people, shared his heart with them and for the reconciliation that did come about. So bless us uh, this weekend and uh, be with us, show us, teach us, guide us, most of all, love us. In the name of Christ, amen. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The love of God, our Heavenly Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship and the belonging and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you. Be at peace, live in the new peace. Amen. for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au